Kevin Slattery and myself. It's January 23rd, 2023. Um, it's not how you say it, but that's what it is. The 23rd in the 23rd year of <sighs> Kevin. How <laughs> Kevin? How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Had a good weekend. Uh, went out actually Saturday for first time in a while, but it was wow. because I had to go to a corporate party at my company. So went there. Um, interesting because, yeah, you know, we've debated whether I'm going to be held on or not. So like, yeah, it was nice being at the company, but I had some, had some beers with a couple of coworkers at this uh, formal gathering, you know, a couple of Coronas and an old fashioned, and it was a pretty good night overall. So Coronas are lit, man. I respect it. Uh, Justin, you seem to, to be shaven. So congratulations on the shaven. And I'm sure you are a happy camper uh, while you say something I'm sure egregious. Um, I want you to also tell me if you uh, feel more confident than you did the Phillies at this stage. Uh, well, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the intro this today left a little bit to be desired, um, but we powered through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> regardless, sorry, sorry. Though, regardless, though, you know, yeah, you got to feel pretty good about what uh, Philly's been accomplishing lately. Uh out of the two, I definitely feel a lot better about the Eagles because I think their road is a lot easier. Um, I've had the conversation with several people today uh, about, you know, what it takes for this Eagles 49ers matchup, and uh, I'm sure we'll bring it up at some point during the show. But uh, in my eyes, I'm feeling just as confident this week as I felt about playing the Giants last week, and my confidence did me plenty of justice, as I said egregiously in our group chat. <laughs> He left it in the group chat. So we'll round out the Burger intro. King, it was a Burger King related group chat message though. I'll just tell everyone that much. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Whopper, Whopper and a bunch of other stuff. Okay. The <laughs> uh, Chiefs beat the Jacks. Eagles beat the Giants. Bengals beat the Bills and the 49ers beat the Cowboys. That's where we stand on this Monday evening. Not so late. This broadcast. Pretty proud of us. 707. Um we're going to start right off the bat here. The most disappointing loss of the weekend, if you are the team that lost. So that, that, that's the question here. If you're the team that lost, which of the four should be the most disappointed? Uh, I will begin. It's the Bills. It will be the Bills, frankly, every single year that they do not make it to the Super Bowl so long as uh, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are both on the same team. Uh, that is what I will continue to say. Buffalo raves and rants all about the conditions that they can handle and nobody else can. They have arguably the best fan base across almost probably any sport, at least in this country. And they almost, they thought they had a surefire ticket to the AFC championship, so much so that the AFC championship game in the neutral site was sold out already prior to the game even really existing. As everybody saw on Twitter later when Joe Burrow said, 
uh, hopefully everybody gets their refund. So they even fueled the Bengals. They pissed them off. Honestly, if I'm the Bills, really, really poor effort offensively. Bengals obviously did a great job, but you're going to put up 10 points on your home ground in the snow that you so love. Tough, tough way to go out. So Bills for me, Justin. Yeah, I will say uh, the snow thing is actually very interesting um, because I do believe that this is one of those few times where the snow was very against the Bills simply because the way that you were going to beat the Bengals is by attacking their secondary and the snow hurt the ability to do that. Uh, but I agree. I think the Bills are probably the you know most disappointing loss this weekend for a team uh, because they've got some key players that they now have to see if they can even re-sign up. Boyer's contract's up. Um, Saffold at guard is up. Tremaine Edmonds is up. Jordan Phillips is up. Um, Shaq Lawson's is up. AJ Klein's is up. There's a lot of defensive players and a couple offensive that are really key players in this whole team. Um, and losing some of them, which they certainly will, will obviously hurt them on that defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, the, is the Bills' window closing? Probably not. But I mean, Stefan Diggs is starting to get up there in age um so they're gonna have to start trying to figure that out on that end soon um and you're you look at people like Tremaine Tredavious White um they're getting hurt so often at this point um it's hard to know if the Bills will be able to find consistency and the announcer said it best you know during the broadcast it you know we're looking at a Josh Allen Joe Burrow Patrick Mahomes playoff game every season at this point Two of those three will play basically every season for like the rest of humanity. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills, they kind of found themselves in this key moment where they kind of needed to be winning and they just simply didn't. They got completely outplayed in every regard. Um, you know, there was nothing there to be proud of in that performance. It was not even like it felt like the Bills were that close. Basically, outside of when the Bills scored that first touchdown to make it 14 7, um, the Bengals felt like they had controlled that entire game. It, it For a game that was only 17 points different, it didn't even feel that close. Um, so, you know, the Bills have a lot to go back to the drawing board on because this time they did not lose due to a coin toss in overtime. They lost pretty dramatically. Kevin? It's got to be the Bills. This is Q cold takes right now, but of all the teams that lost, I think they were the one with the most realistic expectation that they were going to go in and win. You weren't going to say that about the Giants. You weren't going to say that about the 49ers. Or, sorry, the, the Cowboys. You weren't going to say that about the Jaguars. Um, The Bills were sloppy, man, the whole game. They were the complete opposite of what the Bengals were. The Bengals were concise, creative in their play calls, good with attention to details, O-lines operating, or O-line, D-line operating great. The Bills could not get anything going. I know Josh Allen was under duress, but there were throws that he missed that were just off target. He was throwing behind receivers. He was throwing to people in the dirt. He threw one so low to Stefan Diggs that he had to drop literally on the turf to catch it. And he literally was motioning to Allen afterwards, raise the ball, like raise it so I can just go and run with it and get some yak. Like, the, they just there there was nothing attention details wise that would keep them in the game, even the final play where they were on a little bit of a drive. I think it was like third and eight, but then seventy three that one of their old linemen got a false start penalty, and it was like this is your season right here. Like you can't have false starts on like your final drive potentially of the season. 
there was just no attention to details. And then when it eventually got to the fourth down, they weren't able to convert. So they deserve to lose, honestly. Like the coaching staff, like it did it, they didn't play a crisp game when they played Miami. Skylar Thompson was throwing the ball everywhere on them. And Joe Burrow comes in and he basically mops the floor. I mean, I, like that's probably one of the more deflating losses that the Bills have had in recent memory. Like up there with some of the times where the Patriots just came in and blew them out because there was nothing they could do to stop the Bengals. The Bengals were doing like trap plays with Jamar Chase as like a decoy, Hayden Hurst touchdown. They're doing like pitches in the backfield to Joe Mixon for extra yards. Like they just went to their bag completely and they look like a totally different team from the Baltimore game. Um, the Bengals right now look like the favorite, but that's a separate story. Um, but yeah, if you're the Bills, you need soul searching right now. And let's just say, you know, obviously we all just chose the Bills, but if I'm the Jags or the Cowboys, I mean, I know the Jags, you know, some people are surprised they were here, uh, but the Jags and Cowboys should both be pretty embarrassed, all things considered as well. Um, the Jags basically played a Chiefs team that didn't have Patrick Mahomes for a quarter and a half and let a 98-yard drive up to Chad Henney, which was the longest in Kansas City Chiefs playoff history. Um, can't be doing that. I mean, that's just a complete mess. I know Henny was a hero for the Chiefs previously in the playoffs too, but you know you can't be doing that in a game that was only decided by seven points. The Jaguars should have at least got this game to overtime. They shouldn't be able to make those kinds of mistakes. Um, and then the Cowboys. I, I understand Brock Purdy's doing well, but you know this is inexcusable at this point. I, I don't care how your defense does i mean you held the 19 points that's plenty but like the fact that that dallas offense never got going either and dak prescott threw countless interceptions in key moments um it's hard to imagine you know how this cowboys team could fix themselves at this point and where they get anywhere they're just mediocre forever and jerry jones refuses to fix his errors because he doesn't want to know make it look like he has ever made an error in his life um when clearly he has um, it's crazy to say this, that the only team that, you know, shouldn't be embarrassed is the team that actually got blown out, which was the Giants, like, because they were just happy to be here. There was kind of an expectation going into it that they were going into Philly and that this was probably going to be the outcome. Um, but it's crazy that, you know, the Giants are the one team that walks out of this, basically the cleanest and most like pat on the back kind of out of the four teams that were there. And how about what should have been the third interception by Dak? Would it hit a run in the chest? Should have been a pick six, too. I mean, what a just yeah. That one horrible, horrible performance. Um, we'll talk about the Cowboys a little bit later on, but until then, uh, in the most impressive win to any team this weekend mm-hmm. would be who? Um, this might be actually uh, I don't think Justin's gonna agree with me, but I'm gonna go with the Eagles, and it's not uh necessary well it's obviously not because the giants are like the next best team or that was blah 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 the giants had a lot of momentum here and i know a lot of people don't necessarily believe in momentum when it comes to sporting events but they did they had a lot of it they had a lot on their shoulder people talk a lot about how a team can't beat another team three times even though it's happened i think twice already um but people talk about that and it's definitely a thing in terms of uh winning by 31 points that's definitely not an expectation on the third time beating a team and there was a lot of smack talk being talked about whether or not 
Jalen Hurts was actually injured or not. Most people thought he was and their poor performance in the last week of the regular season. So for the Eagles to come out here and kind of shut everybody up a little bit, definitely turned my head. Um, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to lose the game, but I certainly didn't think that they were going to cover the spread. Maybe I'm an idiot for that. Um, but looking at it here, I mean, this was the team that looked the most complete demolition from the beginning to the end. The only other team that looked genuinely frightening was the Bengals who put up 27 points in a snowstorm. So that's definitely pretty impressive as well. So I'm close with the Bengals here, but Eagles for me right now. Justin. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles win was good. Jalen Hurts is, in fact, still hurt. Um, I mean, he said that. He said he was nowhere close to 100% in that game. And honestly, yeah. kind of showed. I mean, he only threw for 153 yards, got a couple touchdowns, then a rushing touchdown. But he definitely didn't look as mo- mobile as he used to. Um, you know, he got that rushing touchdown, but it was on the outside edge. No one was even near him. Um, so, you know, he wasn't putting in, like, a crazy amount of work by any means. It was because they basically were able to have their way with them running the ball. And Kenneth Gainwell was the first playoff rusher for the Eagles to have 100-plus yards since 2006. Um, (laughs) Since, like, Brian Westbrook days. Um, And he only had, like, 10 carries. (laughs) So, you know, the running game just really came into play. Philly showed that, once again, they're multiversal on the ball. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I was probably the most impressed by... I got to say the 49ers. Um, I'm a bit surprised, honestly. Um, I know the Cowboys kind of beat themselves to a pulp in that game, but the 49ers just don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't really set up a lot of scenarios where they could make a mistake. Um, Kyle Shanahan kind of just lets the offense run itself um, and kind of just is like, here, just delegate the ball to everyone and let it go. Um, but the 49ers did sit there and make me think that they made a ton of errors. They just went out there and kind of just executed their game. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't horrible to watch. Um, it was just kind of get the job done football. Um, and, you know, that's all you need in the playoffs sometimes when you're against uh, so many teams that have suffered from errors this season. That's kind of the name of the game in the NFL this season. It's not about who the better team is most of the time. It's about which team can avoid making errors. Um, I mean, that's what it really comes down to. I mean, you look at, like, the Bills this season. Like, Josh Allen had an amazing first half. Then his picks went up. Bills started wobbling all over the place. Bills kind of fell off the map, basically. Um, you look at the Cowboys. Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions. Didn't even play, like, six games this season. Uh, and you look at, you know, teams like, you know, the Jags. You know, key opportunities. Trevor Lawrence uh, was able to recover last week from four picks. But this this week, all of a sudden, in the second half of the third and the fourth quarter, he turned back into that first half guy from the Chargers game. Um those kinds of key errors are things that are separating teams from winning and losing. Cause it's not like the chiefs played crazy well, considering the Patrick Mahomes injury. Um, the Bengals played pretty well, I guess I would say in the snow and the 49ers definitely didn't do that well. And Eagles, I, I think we're just in a plus matchup. Uh, but overall, you know, it's about not try. It's not, it's about not giving the ball up. That's really what it's about at this point. Um, and the 49ers have just been playing, you know, probably, the most fundamentally sound non-risk-taking football. Um, and it's got them to an NFC championship, and it's hard to argue with that if you're sitting in an NFC championship. Kev? The most impressive win, I'll say, was the Bengals. Like, for me, I will say the Bengals because after the Baltimore game, they really weren't buttoned up. Uh, 
I mean, Tyler Huntley had that play where the ball got snapped. It seemed like 15 yards behind him. He recovers the ball and then he throws for like a 20 yard gain. And there was stuff like that where you were watching their defense at times and you're like, did you guys go out to the club the night before? Like what, what's going on? Because there were just moments where they were making a play to tackle a guy and they just weren't reacting fast enough and they wouldn't close on people. Yesterday was the complete opposite. Um, the O-line offered great protection. I think throughout the year, like at times, whether it's like, I think with, you know, like Jonah Williams or like different guys on the O-line, you're wondering like, okay, do they have a unit that can actually protect Joe Burrow? Yesterday, he got the protection he needed and he was immaculate. If he has protection, he's up there with Mahomes, like in terms of just par for par with anybody else in the league, in my opinion. And he got that yesterday and the play calling was phenomenal. And I got to be honest too, like their, their, their line, they got in the grill of the bills. Like they, they really couldn't establish a run game. They were frisking with Josh Allen. And if the play calling too is that creative, at like it was yesterday, especially early on in the game, I think the Bengals can win it all. I think the, I think they will win it all if they, if they do that week in and week out, but they're kind of a weird team though, where they didn't, they don't really play that great against the, the rest of the AFC North, <laughs> but it seems like against big conference teams, they somewhat show out like they've showed out again against Kansas city. They've showed out yesterday against the bills. Um, if they are that locked in and Joe Burrow is protected, they probably have the best standing offense left. And if they can stay healthy, they have a really good chance and probably will win that Super Bowl. Now, moving into the offseason a little bit here, um, before we actually dive into some QB talk, which team that's already lost so far in the playoffs in any week, whether it's last week or a couple of days ago, uh, has the most happy thoughts moving on to the offseason and further into next season. So they're lo- they lost, but hey, we're in good spirits for next season. I'm going with the Jags. I'm going with the Jags all the way here. I know the Jags probably should have put, should have put a little bit of a better performance against a Mahomes that genuinely, genuinely couldn't even jog, uh, let, let alone run. However, this team, super young. I personally question the Christian Kirk signing um, at the time, at least for the money that it was. Um, And then they've proved me wrong. I mean, he legitimately played out of his mind. And then Zay Jones, I'll be honest with you, didn't he? I I actually didn't really know who that was um, before he was on the Jags this year. And then all of a sudden, Ingram is like a really good tight end now. It, It was just... It was insane what the Jags did. A lot of that has to do with Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, and finally getting rid of Urban Meyer. And ETN's been playing out of his mind, too. So if they can keep these guys and actually try to win some games while they're still on their rookie deals, I, I think the Jags should be really happy about what they're doing moving into this offseason, especially if Trevor Lawrence keeps going at the trajectory that he's going. Um, it, it, it's looking good for them. I think they should be happy. Justin? Yeah, I, I feel like obvious answer that needs probably the Jags but you know their free agency class isn't that crazy they don't have a lot going back out there um their signings worked out um but I have to keep going back to the fact that they 
did barely make playoffs and that they were a team that had to fight their way in the last week of the regular season. Um, which leads me to say that I actually think Miami is probably the one who should be the happiest at this point. Um, they almost beat Buffalo without Tua. Uh, they do have a pretty large free agency class to deal with um, between Gasecki's a free agent, Eric Rowe, Melvin Ingram. Uh, most of their running backs are free agents. Um, so they have a few free agency decisions to be made. But for the most part, Miami had a good season. All of their key weapons are going to come back. And, I mean, they're going to improve now that they finally had a year with Tua under the belt with Tyreek. Hope you got to hope that Tua is healthier next season. Um, I think that's the biggest concern Miami looks at. Can Tua avoid getting more concussions? Because three concussions in a season is alarming. Um, that is a, this guy's career is in jeopardy kind of alarming. Um, so hopefully, you know, next year we come out, if he goes a season free without concussions, I think Miami's in a good spot to possibly win that division. Um, I do think they could set themselves up very well to be in that division contention throughout the season. They've handed it to Buffalo pretty well. Um, you know, the coaching hire has worked out spectacularly with McDaniels. Um, I think he is probably, um, one of those coaches who will win a coach of the year at some point, in my opinion. Um, I do think he's that good. Um, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen and if his pieces can stay healthy enough for it to happen. Um, but if I'm Miami right now, I'm looking at it and saying, we made the playoffs without Tua. We almost beat the Bills without Tua. This Miami team has a lot going for it right now um, that should set them up well when they go and fight for the AFC title next year. Kev? I'm going to be biased, but I'm going to go to the Giants. Um they got smacked down by Philly, but up until that point, everything they had achieved was an overachievement by the roster. They weren't expected to be a playoff team. You're thinking, okay, maybe two or three years in, we'll know what's going on with Dable, what's going on with Shane, but Dable has moved himself already in a really short time into a really short list of exceptional coaches. Um, you're looking at a roster now that where there's going to be turnover or a lot of those Gettleman contracts are going to be off the book soon. That Kenny Galladay contract, some of their linemen, you know, Jones, Barkley, what are they going to do there? But outside of the draft position be, being affected by a lot of, by more of the winning that they did this year than what was expected. You kind of now are just really excited for the draft to see what do they build upon? And yes, they could regress next year and, Maybe two years from now, it's not going to be as good as this season was. Maybe the season is the high note in some regards. Knock on wood. I don't know. But at the same time, the promise in year one for this giant season has not been had in more than a decade. Whether it was Judge, whether it was Pat Shermer, whether it was Ben McAdoo, the end of the Jerry Reese era, any point of the Gettleman era, this has been the most promising the Giants franchise has been from the beginning of a regime in well over a decade. Well over a decade. So incredible promise, I think. And a division, too, that could be regressing with Washington and Dallas, certainly. But Philly is an older, more experienced team, but we'll see what happens in free agency with them. I mean, 
Hurts. We'll see how he progresses too. But Giants could be competing with Philly for that division spot for years to come, maybe. On to the 49ers and some QB talk. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant in terms of the NFL draft, has now come out, won many a game in a row, and will be in the NFC Championship. Is Brock Purdy for the 49ers going to be the QB for the 49ers to start next year or the majority of next year? Or do you think should he be? Those could be two different answers uh, from your standpoint. I will begin by saying I would be quite surprised if Trey Lance is not starting for the San Francisco 49ers next year. The only reason why I'll say that there's two twofold. One, obviously the trade that they gave up, the multiple first round picks they gave up to move up in the draft and take a guy that frankly wasn't even going to be a top three pick. Uh, it'd be a little bit awkward to let the guy play basically what two full games and then trade them away. I don't know. Seems a little seems a little nuts to me. Uh, I will also be the first, well, not the first to say this, but this might be a hot take. I don't think Brock Purdy's that good. I don't. Uh, I think the 49ers are the most complete team in the NFL. Uh, they have the number one defense in the league, ranking-wise. Um, and if we want to remind ourselves of the offensive weapons that they currently have, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle, and Samuel on the team, and they have the best O-lineman in football. I'm not quite sure there's that many QBs that would suffer on this team. So for me, Trey Lance is the move. At least They should give him, I think, at least four weeks, four genuine weeks of football with this team. And by the way, can you imagine this team with another dual threat weapon in the backfield being the, the Trey Lance? I don't know. It seems like something that they should really try to utilize more so, especially uh, for how much they traded for him. Uh, I'd like to see Trey Lance out there and let him get 10 rushes a game for the first four weeks and see what happens. His accuracy could be an issue. We'll see what happens. Brock Purdy to me really just not the answer. Justin. Well, I still am 100% out on Trey Lance. I, I think the dude's inaccurate as all hell. Um, he, he, is. he is. Yeah. Um, and I think to the 49ers to benefit the quarterback, uh, need market is actually very high this offseason. Um, you look at teams like the entire NFC South, for example, um, is very possibly looking for a quarterback right now if Brady leaves. There's probably not a team there that feels comfortable with their quarterback situation. Um, we talk mm -hmm. about teams like the Raiders, who it seems like Derek Carr may part ways. You look at teams like the Colts, who um, doesn't seem like Matt Ryan's going to be the answer for that team any longer. Um, you look at teams like the Jets, where you have no idea who should be out there next season, but sounds like they kind of want Zach Wilson. Uh, but, you know, we still very uncertain. And then you have teams like the Commanders, who seem very lost at quarterback as well. Um, so there's a lot of teams out there looking for a quarterback. And though the draft class for quarterback is kind of deep this season, it's not deep enough to support all these guys. So teams like the 49ers, who see now that they can probably run their offense through whoever they want um, are probably fine possibly playing Brock Purdy in there, draft a second or third round guy in the draft and see how the table kind of falls um, for them in the chips and trade away Lance, maybe get a second rounder out of him. Um, maybe trade Garoppolo and get something out of him too. There are plenty of teams out there that would be willing to take on, you know, those quarterbacks and try to figure it out. Um, so, you know, I think they send them out 
send Lance and Garoppolo out the door to find new homes um, and, you know, at least give Purdy that shot at this point because it's not like the other quarterback play has impressed anyone. There's no one there that's been impressive. It really doesn't seem to matter who they put in there. Um, so they might as well just put in the cheapest guy they can find and keep building around them. Um, so I, I think Purdy ends up starting week one next season. I think he's the guy. Um, I think Shanahan knows that he can teach anyone what he needs to know. He's probably one of the – he might be the best coach in the NFL right now. He actually might be. Uh, that's an interesting question on where I drink coaches, mm-hmm. something I think we should do sometime. Um, yes. figure out which coaches we think are the best in the league right now uh, because he's definitely up there in contention for the number one spot. Um, the way he just innovates his offenses, I mean, he took Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and almost won. Um, he had this team in a title game, which, yeah, they have a lot of weapons, but it's not like these guys have been outstanding and healthy the entire time. Kittle's been underperforming. Um, McCaffrey's been not at his peak, but you know, very good since coming to San Fran. Um, Debo has been hurt quite a few times this season um, and has taken a step back and is still playing relatively well. And Brandon Ayuk, who was sitting on the bench most of last season, has made his own since Purdy's taken over the starting job. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of impressive things that are happening with Kyle Shanahan and how he runs his offense. Um, so I think he's more than happy to stick with the hot hand at quarterback. Uh, as long as it's Purdy. Maybe we see some sophomore regression, but if the 49ers feel that way mid-next season, what's going to stop them from trading for another guy if they really need to? Kev? I think the answer, unless someone comes about in free agency, a la Tom Brady, it's Brock Purdy. It's uh, He's, as of right now, for the price point that he's being paid at, He's more affordable than Jimmy Garoppolo, younger, and he's more dependable than Trey Lance has proven to be so far. And I think if you're the Niners, unless you're going to trade maybe your decade away to get like Bryce Young or someone crazy like that, Brock Purdy's your best option. I mean, yes, maybe you can get Brady, but like whatever you get on the trade market, if you're talking about value, it might even be an overvaluation. If you're going to try to get someone either in the trade market or try to draft a high-end quarterback in the draft, you're going to have to give up a ton of assets. And what Brock Purdy does well, besides his poise, besides his stability, he's able to run the offense that Shanahan wants, which is great in the numbers. And I think when you were alluding before, Justin, you were saying that Shanahan is running it so well it's that more than anything I think he knows what his team is good at which is not only inside zone but just like in the numbers offense so little skinny posts slants picks in the middle Shanahan's not trying to just heave the ball down the field and just okay you make a play Debo make a play that happens occasionally but and that's probably not Purdy's game either but Purdy is great within the numbers being surgical five to 15 yards out. And these guys are great at getting open in that five to 15 yard span. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it right now. Maybe it will be a problem when they play the Eagles, but it's gotten them to this point. And I just think if you're Shanahan, I think he just has total confidence in himself where he's like, I could just, I could scheme the offense how I want and we'll be able to manufacture points. The guys are talented enough and we'll be able to do it. So 
I don't think they're going to move off of Purdy. He hasn't given any reason why they should move off of him. He's done everything Shanahan's asked. Jones, Danny Jones, and Saquon Barkley for the Giants. What do we see a future contract for them, whether on this team or not on this team for both of these individuals? Danny Dimes, I was in the camp of everybody else, leaning towards, huh, maybe he should get paid over $30 million a week ago. And then this weekend, I'm back to the same old crap with this guy. I have no idea anymore. I'm not sure if anybody has any idea anymore. This is the same guy who could throw for 300 yards, rush for 80, have four total TDs and zero interceptions, to then seven days later, throw two picks, have a fumble, and have 170 all-purpose yards. I, I don't know with this guy. I think Brian Dable is certainly somebody that can make him uh, be more consistent. He's obviously made him a better quarterback. He has... Uh, you know, his physique is a little bit similar to Josh Allen, and that's why he's actually playing similar to Josh Allen with the playbook. But I don't know, man. I don't see a world where he deserves anything much more than $30 million. I just don't. So if the Giants want to agree with him on somewhere in between $25 and $30 million for two to three years, I'm all for it, but I don't know what he's asking for. I don't know if he needs more. In terms of Saquon, I don't know, man. Does Saquon just keep riding with the team? Clearly, he played a whole healthy season. He was one of the most healthy running backs in the league this year. I think he missed uh, maybe one game. And he played out of his mind all year. So to me, I would play pay Saquon whatever the highest value of a running back is out there nowadays. I wouldn't give him more than three years, but I would let it rock. Um, and if I'm Saquon, if they don't want me, I'm begging them to send me to the Bills because the Bills certainly need a better run game. That's what I do with those two people. Justin. Yeah, it's tough. For Saquon, you know, I I think he deserves to be paid decently. Um, I do think we have to just take into the fact that um, he was injured for two seasons. And he even said that in a press conference. He even said that, you know, he's not looking to break or reset the running back market. He's like, I know I've been injured two seasons and I had a healthy season. Um, but he knows he hasn't done enough to really produce that level of value. Um, as far as running backs goes, I mean, Joe Mixon's getting paid 12 mil a year. Dalvin Cook's getting paid 12.6. Kamara's getting paid 15. And McCaffrey's getting paid 16. Um, and Saquon is on the older side of those four other running backs. <sighs> He's probably getting paid 12 mil. Probably. I think that makes sense. It's not like he's been out of this world. He's been under the radar good. Um, yeah, I'd pay Saquon $12 million. I think he stays a giant. Um, I do also think Daniel Jones stays a giant. Uh, as far as you know, where his value's at, it's tough because I look at the other quarterbacks in the market, and I'm like, Tannehill's getting paid 29.5. Matt Ryan got paid 30. Jared Goff's getting paid 33.5. Cousins getting paid 35. Hmm. There, there's no way he gets paid under 30 million. If he gets paid under 30 million, he has a horrible um agent. Like <laughs> dead ass. He has a horrible agent if that <laughs> happens. Um yeah, he's probably getting paid 
he's probably getting paid Jared Goff money, if not Kirk Cousins money. I think he makes thirty three point five to thirty five million per year. Um, and I think they sign him for a four year deal. Um, so he's probably getting paid somewhere in the in the one twenty range. It's it's gonna be kind of close to Derek Carr's contract, actually. I think, um, uh, if not a tiny bit lower, uh, but yeah, I think he probably comes back. He's a giant again, and he's gonna get paid in that uh low end to middle thirty number. Um, I think he's gonna get paid more than thirty mil just because of how expensive quarterbacks are. Um, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, and I agree. Um, it's crazy how much quarterbacks are valued, but it's the position that's valued the most, and it's just how much money. Uh, that comes with paying a quarterback nowadays um, of even sufficient level. Basically, every starting quarterback basically is at over $30 million at this point. Kev? Um, I feel like the numbers are, I'm going to say Barkley gets paid maybe $14 million a year for four years. And I'll say Jones, 32 for four. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just looking at some of those numbers because after the year that Barkley had, it's hard to say that he's going to get paid that much, but probably because of the injury history. And yeah, Jones is probably going to get paid that much because of the quarterback market, but okay. Hot take. Do you guys think quarterback is the most overvalued position in sports? In all sports? Or just maybe football. We'll just stick to football. But I'm going to call it overpaid and not overvalued. I know that sounds weird. I, I feel like the value that it's no, like one of the most important positions, if not, well, clearly the most important position. Hmm. I think that's true. But at the same time, I think there's almost no quarterbacks out there that don't have uh, enough imperfections in which I think they should be getting paid as much as they get. Like, I think they should be getting paid less. All these guys, there, there isn't a perfect QB out there. A lot of these guys have ruined games. And I feel like based off that notion, they just shouldn't be guaranteed so much money. Um, I also think it's like this, one of the safest positions out there too. And I feel like some of the money value should be based off the notion of safety. And I know it's kind of stupid because people are like, oh, football is like a violent game, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think it's appropriately valued, but I think, and I think they're appropriately paid. What I think the problem is, is that they are misappropriately evaluated. Yes. I, I think the market is extremely inflated because of the evaluation of certain players. Just like you look at Deshaun Watson, overinflated value. Derek Carr was taken from an overinflated value of one season. Um, and then you look at contracts like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, who are getting paid over $30 million still because of over-evaluations made years ago. Um, so I think, like, you know, players like Aaron Rodgers, I know he had a bad year. Is he worth $50 million a year? I kind of think so, um, just based off of what he's produced. Um, is Patrick Mahomes worth $45? Definitely. Is Russell yeah. Wilson worth yeah. $49? I think in the grand scheme, he probably will be worth that money. Um, and do I think Kyler's worth 46 based on what the team would be without him and what other quarterback options are out there? Yeah, probably. Um, there's just not enough sufficient quarterbacks out there to not be paying them that much. Uh, it, it's really just, you have to have a quarterback. There's 32 in the league. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win games. That is literally, in my belief, like the truth. If you do not have a quarterback, 
you are not going to win. Um, you need a guy who can lead a locker room. You need a guy who can play well. And you also need a strong backup because that's how those teams like the Eagles win random Super Bowls at backups. And that's why the backups are so highly valued too, is because of the value, so much value in quarterback. I think you have to pay them because there's only so many that can get you far enough to survive. Yeah. The, the tough thing for me is, I, I guess what I, I guess what I'm getting back is, I feel like court, the position of quarterback is valued to the degree it is because it's a it's a position of value of circumstance. I think I've used the phrase with you at times like you can be an MVP of circumstance. I think like I've said this before in the past, like maybe if it was like people were arguing about like KD Warriors, Andre Godal winning MVP over LeBron, right? Like there's people in circumstances who are valued more because of what the position or what they're in entails. And I feel like we're at that point with quarterback because, you know, you look at guys like I'm trying to think of like a really good safety, but like even a guy like Buda Baker, like Buda Baker is really damn good. He's like a really damn good football player, but it's like, you know, is Buda Baker going to get paid obviously this type of money? No, but how many guys is it just the position that they're in where it's like, okay, this is the amount of money you're going to get paid. Whereas, you know, outside of the reps that they get or how much stats they're able to put up, you know, are they really that great of a football player, quote unquote, or is it just we've separated quarterbacks now from the rest of football players? That's we already do with the way they get hit. I mean, we're, we're being honest, like most quarterbacks now have basically become kickers and how you can hit them effectively. <laughs> they can't be touched at all. Yeah, um, if you're a running back, you can get leveled. Safe, you can get leveled, but your quarterback, you, your hands off, basically. Okay, speaking of more quarterbacks, the following: Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady. What future landing spots do we see of these guys in the near future? I'm going to give you the odds right now. Uh, odds for Derek Carr currently. Um ironically a lot of these guys the jets are up there uh so Derek carr has got the jets and the saints and the colts uh pretty much the same right now uh all around four to five hundred uh with the panthers and the bucks uh seeding after that tom brady's got ironically raiders uh still attached to the dolphins and the 49ers kev mentioned uh patriots and bucks are all around there. retirement is also an option and then jets uh for lamar uh, Jets, Saints, and Ravens. Jets again with the highest probability. Uh, so I'm going to start with this. Derek Carr, obviously not going to be with the Raiders. Uh, Justin informed me that they actually <laughs> they have to pay him in under a month, though, uh, $40 million, and then he will be uh, out of there for sure. Uh, I, think, I think he'll be on the Colts. I, I think the Colts are going to... I think the Colts are going to take him, but I also think they're going to attempt to mess around the beginning of the draft and get CJ Stroud and see what the hell happens. They might mess around with Derek Carr for a year or two with CJ behind and then rock with CJ afterwards. Um, but I see Derek Carr going there. Uh, Tom Brady. I don't know, man. I don't know what team that needs a quarterback badly would get that much better with Tom Brady. 
I suppose the 49ers could use him for one year. But I got to be honest, man, after this year, and I know we used to say this all the time, but now there's actual like evidence. He just didn't look that good. He didn't look that good to end the season. He didn't look that good in the playoffs. And I think it's finally time that me saying that is not really like, you know, a bias or egregious thing. He didn't look that good this year. So I don't really see how next year all of a sudden he would look that much better. And for me, really the first option I see is probably the Dolphins. But if two is healthy, I'm not really sure why they would mess around with that. I don't. So I guess I guess the Raiders are an option for him. But I don't think he – why would he want to play on the Raiders? They're not going to the Super Bowl. So I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for that one. I I suppose the Raiders otherwise. Personally, I think he should retire, and I think it's a, it's a likelihood. Uh, Lamar Jackson? I do think the Jets are uh, a high option for him. It's going to be the Jets or the Ravens, in my opinion. Uh, I think the Ravens are just going to have the same situation where they're like, yo, Lamar, sorry, buddy. You're just not, you're not for the team. You've gotten injured a lot. And then you got mad at us about our prior contracts and you're not really hanging out with us going to away games. And we don't want that. And you're injury prone. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson will get his bag by another team. That's just fishing around. And the jets seem to be that team. Uh, so I think he will be in New York and yes, he will be way better than Zach Wilson and the jets. I think it would be a good move for the jets long-term, maybe not so much, but I think in the short term, it would be very helpful. Uh, Justin. I think Lamar stays a Raven. Uh, I can't see the backlash that the Ravens would take being worth it. (laughs) Um, and on top of that, uh, I feel like even if I signed Lamar to like a two year contract and then traded him in a year, the amount of value you're just simply losing by letting Lamar walk as a free agent is absolutely insane. Um, so, I mean, I, I think if you're the Ravens, you have to just give in to Lamar at some point. Um, as far as Brady goes, I am between him going to San Francisco, um, wow. even though I just said Brock Purdy was going to be quarterback <laughs> next year. Um, I would say San Francisco is the most likely landing spot, in my opinion. You know, that's basically home for him. You know, he'd love to finish a career there. They have plenty of weapons, and you put Tom Brady on that team. He doesn't have to do much already, as we've already seen. Um, but he's way better than anybody they've had in quite some time. Um, so, you know, I could see, you know, Tom Brady um, finding his way there. Somehow the Bucks end up with Garoppolo and Lance, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I could 100% see Brady in Tampa. I mean, not in Tampa, in San Fran. If not, I would my money on him either retiring or third option. I still like the idea of Tom Brady finding his way back to new England because of the quarterback struggles they've had. Um, I could still see that as a probable final year, kind of like a, a mm-hmm. final gone to the sunset for Belichick and Brady at the same time. Um, and then as far as car goes, I could see Tampa as a possibility. Um, I think Tampa would make a lot of sense. A lot of weapons still there. Um, still could benefit from a quarterback. They obviously have a financial hole because of Brady possibly leaving. That could easily, you know, make sense to bring in Derek Carr's contract. Um, I think that's the most likely destination. Um, only other destination that I could really imagine off the top of my head is just the commanders. Um, mainly because of the fact that that's kind of the, he's kind of the quarterback archetype they've been looking, they've been looking for and dealing with for years. Um, so I feel like that's the move that's really going to play into the commanders for a team that does not have an early draft pick and cannot get one of those early quarterbacks. Because I think 
The Colts are probably going to draft a guy, in my opinion. I, I think the Panthers have a good chance at drafting a guy. Uh, Saints don't have a first rounder, so Saints are a team that should be interesting in the hunt for quarterback, but they honestly might run with Jameis or Andy Dalton again. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and that, But that, the Falcons don't have a great draft pick, so it's another consideration, but you know, teams like the Texans and the Colts and stuff like that, I mean, they're in positions that they're going to probably draft quarterbacks because Bears have pick one. Bears aren't going to draft a quarterback. Uh, there's going to be some of those teams that did really bad who don't need to go out there and spend assets to get a quarterback uh, when they can just take a guy in the draft and feel pretty comfortable with quite a few of the guys out there. So I'm going to go Derek Carr to the Jets. I'm going to go Brady to San Francisco. Second option, he retires. And I'm going to go Lamar stays a Raven. I agree with you, Justin, in that with Lamar, if he left the Ravens, Ravens fans would be accusing the the Ravens front office of being a victim of an inside job by the Steelers. Like, it would just be a level of insanity that people would lose their minds over in Baltimore. So not, not a good place he, to lose your, to see people losing their mind. <laughs> yes. Hey, it's a feisty, much. it's a feisty city. I'm just saying. Which one Baltimore? Or sorry. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Baltimore. I mean, they're both feisty in their own way. <laughs> this is true. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say if they were to trade him, the argument would be, hey, we're franchise tagging him. We couldn't reach an agreement. And then whatever they would trade Lamar for, it would have to be a ridiculous King's ransom of the Lions or the Jets basically giving like half a decade of first round picks, at least. Like that's because that's the value you're giving up. He carries your offense. And so yeah. if, if if he leaves, your bet your running game is gone, your passing game is gone. And you're essentially now a ball control team. So if you're going to trade Lamar Jackson, you need receipts that are at least five draft, five first round draft picks. I think um, that's what I think likely will happen though. I think Lamar stays at least for this next upcoming year. Um, I don't think they work out a long-term deal, but I do think Carr and I think Brady, I think they're Carr to the jets, Brady to the Buccaneers or Brady the 49ers, and those are the most likely destinations, in my opinion, for those two guys. All right, we are going to skip to the biggest, biggest weakness to exploit for either team between the Eagles and the 49ers hmm. next week, NFC Championship game. Uh, after that, uh, we'll talk about the AFC Championship game with our Super Bowl you know, matchup teams. And then we'll finish off with an NBA question. That's uh, the next three questions are going to go here. So to start the NFC championship, what does either team need to exploit on the opposition? And I'm going to start and say the exact same thing for both. Both of these quarterbacks need to get pounded as much as possible. As if you are in the mid 2000s Tom Brady era. Don't look at me like that, Justin. I was worried it was going to be some kind of other metaphor. I was concerned. No, 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 no. I'm I'm just talking how everybody always talked about Tom Brady in the early 2000s. How's this guy going to go down? Well, you have to hit him because it's the only time he gets afraid. 
Jalen Hurts, as Justin pointed out last week, is still injured. You could tell he was still accurate. He's definitely a little bit limited in his motion, running around, and all that. So, Bosa's got to get to him. For, all, all these guys got to get to him. He's got to be sacked at least two or three times and hit hard. And in the same vein, Brock Purdy needs to be reminded that maybe he's not the guy. He needs to be reminded that the rushing attack is their only option. So, I think both of these teams, whoever sacks the quarterback more than three times, I know that's that's a lot of times wins the game. That's it. Cause I think it's enough to throw off either quarterback specifically on this timeline, one that's injured and one that's a rookie and feels like, you know, maybe he's a little head over his heels right now. Justin. That's good news because there is no way in hell San Francisco sacks Jalen hurts more than three times. There you go. There's there you just go. no way. There is literally impossible with lane johnson healthy out there i'm not worried about it for a second as long as well then don't be worried um i'm not (laughs) but don't Uh, you think if he got sacked three times that would be problematic for the eagles Hmm. i don't know given his injury and the notion that he probably doesn't want to get drilled at this point what shoulder is he landing on that that's that's the other question i just feel like there's not that many other avenues to exploit the eagles currently given like their situation I just yeah. don't think Jalen Hurts is that afraid. He, for a guy who was saying he was like not anywhere close to 100%, he was running quite a bit and taking hits. Um, right. Which is crazy because, you know, compared to when we saw Carson Wentz towards ACL, came back the next season, never wanted to get touched ever again, and then got destroyed repeatedly for it. Um, <laughs> Jalen Hurts seems to have learned from the mistake that countless quarterbacks have made over years yeah. and is willing to take those hits still, nonetheless. Um, like I said, I, I'm not really afraid of this San Francisco team, which is probably bad news for me. Um, I yeah, really probably. have no fear about them. Um, the best way to expose the Eagles, though, that run D is still not great. They're still not great in between the in between the tackles. Um, you know, Jordan Davis is great, Hargrave is great, but like they haven't had the best season in rushing defense. Um, so McCaffrey controlling the game is going to be a big issue. I also think George Kittle could be a big issue in this game. He's been known to abuse linebackers on occasion. And Eagles probably aren't going to have Avante Maddox back this week. So it probably is going to lead to someone like Gardner Johnson having to cover George Kittle, um, which could Mm. lead to potential coverage issues throughout the game. Um, So those two are the two that I think San Francisco really needs to exploit to win this game. Uh, As far as the Eagles go, as far as exploitation... It, it's really about trying to find a way to get a lead early. Um, San Francisco is going to try the hold time of possession hard in this game because um, that's all they need to do. They need to not have errors. They just need to hold the ball and hold on to it, score a few, four, few field goals, and win the game because the Eagles are going to score touchdowns, and they are going to pass the ball a lot, I think, in this game. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have 300-plus passing yards in this game. Um, because that secondary is not fantastic by any means, um, and they have a great front seven. So you're going to see them probably not run the ball a lot. They're probably going to have good QB spies on Jalen Hurts. It's going to be a lot of pocket passing, and he's just going to have to go out there and basically sling the ball at A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown's just going to come down with it a bunch of times. I think that's what you're going to expect to see. You're going to see A.J. Brown abusing the secondary on one side, 
And then the other side is going to be trying to hold the ball as long as they can to avoid Jalen Hurst and A.J. Brown from being able to get back on the field and trying to ice them out. Um, that's what yeah. the matchup looks like. Um, I do think, like I said, I feel pretty confident about this one that Philly's going to be able to take care of it. They've been very well known um, for years now of taking care of quarterbacks who are not primary starters. Um, you think back to that uh, Minnesota-Philly game the last time the Eagles went to the yes. Uh, when Case Keenum was out there playing quarterback. Um, right. And it was Vikings scored on the very first drive of the game, never scored again. Case Keenum just like could not figure it out. Um, you have to, and most of these defensive players, quite a few of them are the same defensive players. They're just older. Um, and the, the, this defense is set up to handle any quarterback who is not the top of their game. It reminds me of like Bill Belichick type defenses, honestly where unless you are in the top IQs of quarterback, you're not going to be able to read the progressions well enough. And I just don't think Purdy's going to be able to do it. Um, so yeah, McCaffrey and Kittle versus AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts passing game. That's what I think you're going to see out there. I like that. Kevin. I would co-sign a lot of that. Um, I think San Fran's going to struggle. If they can get their inside the numbers game going, like if Kittle's able to have a monster day, like at their which might be difficult because I think Philly has a really good linebacking core. But that being said, if he's able to get some chunk yardage, stiff arm people, if McCaffrey's able to get people to shake and bake on little pass catches out five yards, that's going to be the bread and butter for I think their offense because I don't think they're going to get that much going elsewhere. So really, it's exploiting the between the numbers game. I think if you're San Fran, and then. I don't know, I guess crossing your fingers that you know the linebackers don't catch you. But you know, overall, I think it's a tough matchup for San Fran because realistically, if you're the Eagles, I think their defense is actually more complete than San Fran's. I think San Fran, you alluded to Justin, their secondary, they can get beat. If if like if Philly's O-line holds up and Nick Bosa can't get there. And they're able to run at him, and he's not able to get to Jalen Hurts and sack him. They might have to send extra guys for blitzes. And then, if you're sending extra guys, or your secondary is over aggressive because they're trying to go against Philly's run, or they're con- concerned about short yardage passing situations, you can have a lot of situations where Devonta Smith and AJ Brown are just mossing your secondary, basically. Like it's going to be like you got mossed every play, potentially. Um, cause those guys are like basketball players and how they can just go up, grab the ball and seal the secondary. Um, they're really aggressive at going downhill, but I don't know about their speed going uphill, so to speak, and tracking with receivers 30, 40 yards down the field. And I just think Philly can exploit them in that regard. It also hinges though on really Jalen Hurts airing the ball out, though, and him being healthy. But I have more faith in Philly being able to do that than San Fran. Um, I mean, God, like, realistically, I mean, you could really – I could see Philly running like a flea flicker even. Like, I could see them doing something where it's like, okay, we're doing like a little little give and take with our running back. He tosses back to Hurts. We get a flea flicker going, and then all of a sudden – you're out to a big lead if you're Philly. Um, there's going to be a lot of scheming, a lot of scheming, I think, in this game. 
It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And finally, with the AFC Championship game, Mahomes' injury that looked really disgusting. I can't lie to you. I can't. I don't really want to watch him more than one time. Uh, he's clearly not 100%. Ain't no way it's going to be 100% next week. Uh, is this a wash for the Chiefs? Is it over? Are the Bengals just going to smoke them? What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, it will be at Arrowhead. Uh, I think Mahomes is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to throw for over 300 yards. Uh, but no, I think this will be the fourth time in a row that the Bengals beat the Chiefs. And it's going to be over. And that's the situation. And it will not be Mahomes' fault. I just think the Bengals are going to drop 30 points. They're going to win 30-24. to 24. Justin? Yeah. I don't think the Chiefs are going to win this game regardless of if Mahomes is healthy or not. Uh, I think the Bengals are the hotter team right now, and I think they've been more consistent throughout the season uh, outside of AFC North games. If you don't include AFC North games, Bengals have been more consistent. Uh, but, you know, as far as this game goes, Mahomes is going to be healthy enough to probably play. Andy Reid's like, oh, I don't know, but there's no way Mahomes doesn't touch the field this week. Uh, but ultimately, I do think the Bengals are just going to win this game. I just don't think the Chiefs are in the situation where they're going to be set up to succeed. I think there's too many weapons on the Bengals on both sides of the ball. Um, I do think it's going to be a shootout, uh, but ultimately I think it's one the Bengals come out on top of. I'll take the Bengals in this one. I think they went 38 to 31. Um, I think it's going to be a very high scoring endeavor. Kev? I think the Bengals win. I think they win maybe by two scores, actually. I think if you're Cincinnati, your game plan is we're going to try to have two guys, at least one guy on Kelsey, maybe another guy shading him. And you're going to try to have the other guys maybe try to beat you. Like try to have Kansas City's run game beat you, Pacheco, whoever else. Try to have Scantling beat you. Try to see if Juju beats you. But if you're able to keep Kelsey in check, I just think the explosiveness – the explosive consistency that we've seen from Kansas city. I don't know if they can recreate it to that degree that you saw with when they played with Tyreek. And I just think overall when you, and look, it doesn't matter when you're playing a regular season game, maybe against like Oakland or sorry, Vegas or the chargers maybe, but if you're playing Cincinnati, who's containing T Higgins consistently, who's containing Jamar chase consistently it's going to become like a basketball game. I think just where they're just going to have more guys just simply who can go up, get the ball, make plays with it. Um, what I think could do Cincinnati in though, is potentially their sloppiness or lack of attention to details. If they come out lethargic, like they did against the Ravens, they will be in a hole, but I feel like we're getting a new team though, where they're locked in. I think that Bengal, that Bills game was really a statement game by them. So I think they're going to come out strong. And I think we're going to be talking about back-to-back AFC champs right now for the Bengals. The NBA, a singular trade we are discussing. LeBron James, the Lakers. LeBron James, 3-1 uh, and one last week, 35 points a game. Uh, I believe it was nine rebounds and seven assists. What he averaged, Western Player of the Week. Uh, player of the Week. They just traded for Rui Hachimura 
from the Wizards, used to play for the Zags, Gonzaga, um, young player in the league. And they got rid of Dunn, Kendrick Dunn, who frankly is a little bit of a bust this year, thought he'd be a lot better. Uh, and three second-round draft picks, uh, I believe two of which are in 2028 and 29. Um, whatever the hell you're going to use with those picks, I'm pretty sure those kids are learning what uh, their times tables are right now. Um, that was an exaggeration. Okay, so <laughs> I like it. I kind of like it. I mean, the Lakers, listen, man, they need more than Hachimura, but, I, I mean, Hachimura is better than, Don, th- than none. So um, – no pun intended on Hachimura, but better than none. I mean, the actual player. Uh, he just scored 30 um, his last game. He's hit or miss a lot of the time, but I think if you actually let him ball out, he's pretty good. Here's my problem, though. He doesn't shoot threes. So I don't know what the hell the Lakers are doing. I understand that this is kind of like maybe a cover-up for a little Anthony Davis situation, but my God, have we not learned in the past decade or so LeBron James, all he wants and needs is somebody who can shoot. Granted, he seems to be uh, self-conflicting when he begs the team to have Russell Westbrook on the team, who clearly hasn't been able to shoot a three in six years. So maybe he's confused as well. But that's still what he needs. It always has been. So I don't know. Do I think the Lakers are going to make the play-in? Yes. Do I think they might even get out of the play-in? Yes. I don't see a world where they get out of the first real round of the NBA playoffs. No matter what, they're going to need a bigger move than this. That's all I'll say. Justin, it's a good move. It's not good enough. I love the move, even though I, I love Kendrick Noon. Um, but ultimately, I'm a big fan of it. Hachimura, I mean, we're, ta- we're talking about how LeBron used three-point shooters. Uh, I mean, the stats kind of speak for themselves. He shot 48.8% on catch-and-shoot three-pointers over the past two seasons. And he's shooting 35.1 on catch and shoots throughout his career. Um, dude doesn't look like a three point shooter, but he has the capabilities to at least add the surprise element, um, which might be just enough of what the Lakers need. Uh, I 100% agree. They're probably going to be a play in team. It's tough to say because there's a lot of teams that are kind of flip flopped right now and things, you know, we weren't exactly expecting, like the Kings being at, you know, near the top of the pool right now. Um, <laughs> uh, but and the Warriors and sitting on the bottom. But you know, the Jazz will probably decline off. Thunder probably won't decline off. Lakers will probably boost up into one of those spots. Um I don't think they'll make it past the play in just because I think there's so many more good teams out there. Um, uh, but they're at least setting themselves up that it'd be more of a coin flip than a, you know, guarantee that they wouldn't make it out of the play in. Um so they're at least loosening their odds a bit more to have those chances open to them. Um, I think it's a really great trade. I think it's one they, they won pretty hard for sure. Kev. Yeah. I'm going to go the Lakers win the trade too. Um, Hachimura is a good young player in terms of, or actually, I guess young ish. Cause he's 24, you know, like I think once you get beyond like 23, it's hard to, you're entering more prime years at that point. Um, he does add three-point shooting. He will be better. They didn't, besides Anthony Davis, I think there was some stat where it's like they didn't have really any big men besides Anthony Davis, like taller than 6'8", maybe it was. Uh, but I think Thomas Bryant's 6'9", 6'10", ballpark. But I guess the point being, they don't have many big men, let alone big men that could shoot threes consistently. So having a guy who can come in and at least have the ability to knock down threes, I think is worthwhile. The question, though, becomes, I think, for both teams, 
ultimately, what were you getting out of this trade long-term? The Lakers, well, I think it improves them marginally. I still don't know what the long-term vision is. Um, and I got to be honest, like the Wizards, Hachimura getting Kendrick Nunn for three second-round picks. I mean, second-round picks don't really have great value in the NBA. So I, I feel like if you were the Wizards, maybe you could have tried to get him for like a late first-round pick from another team. Like, I think you could have potentially done that depending with different teams out there. I just don't know if the Lakers were the best option for them to trade with because unless you're trying to get that Lakers first round pick in 2026 or whatever it is, 2027, I don't really know entirely why you would deal with the Lakers at this point. Like that is why you would deal with them is to essentially finesse them uh, out of sheer desperation. So the, the Wizards kind of a mediocre move from what's been a mediocre confused last couple of years for them. You know, they've been improving and they've been creative with how they've improved, but for really what they're improving towards has remained a mystery to me. All right. And to round out our show in our goodbyes, give us your Super Bowl picks on my way out. I'm going to say, Oh no, Justin, I think it'll be 49ers Bengals. We will see you next week, and then we'll pick the Super Bowl after that. Uh, you boys will say it in your outros as well. My name is Andrew White. You're listening to Hot Takes. I've been alongside Justin Ellis and Kevin Slattery. Sweet dreams and go dogs, baby. And thunder. Thunder up. Let's go. Eagles by 20. First off. Spicy. <laughs> but Bengals will beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. 38 the 21 it won't even be close oh joe burrow to come out here and get that super bowl ring that he should have won last year go birds yeah i mean i'm gonna go the same as jelly right now i'm gonna go Bengals eagle super bowl and i have the Bengals winning in a close game i think they probably win like 45 to 38 or something like that i think it's gonna be a high scoring game if they do play each other but Bengals look like the favorites at this point. Um, that could very well change this upcoming week. But, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. Good season by the Giants. Hopefully there's more to come. And, uh, I don't know, go Knicks in the play-in or push for a sixth seed, I guess. So, I don't know. But let's, let's make it happen. Let's go Knicks.